This is cold. Learn how to tell stories and logic. My God. <laughs> You're selling this shit so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hoe. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Oh, uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of oh, The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the heck are you today, bud? Oh, well, if you were going to ask me if I'm doing great, I would say, oh. We're three weeks into Undertaker month, and we haven't brought up Paul Bear once. Uh, you know, it's it's quite unlike us to uh, not go to the Paul Bear realm of the spectrum when it comes to wrestling. But I'm doing fantastic. So how's your day going? It is weird that we haven't done a Paul Bearer thing. That is an interesting fucking uh, observation at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're week three of Undertaker month. Today, we're doing another top ten list. Um, I love that we've broken it up into moments and matches. This has kind of been the uh, playbook, so to speak, for the month-long tributes to some of our favorite wrestlers of all the times. I do not have a fake match today on my uh, top 10 list. So... (laughs) (laughs) And no Nick Patricks will be harmed today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Nick Patrick will remain intact because I don't think he was involved in any of these matches we're going to discuss today. But before we get there, uh, a lot of uh, things happened in the world of wrestling lately. There was a big head to head, um, I guess, on uh, Tuesday. Uh, NXT and AEW were uh, together for the first time in quite a while. Uh, And uh, NXT, I predicted, was going to bring it and bring it hard. Uh, They had a really stacked roster and very stacked surprises. That just, yeah. uh, I didn't think AEW was going to compete with. Uh, you know, uh, AEW had a lot of good in-ring stuff, but you just could not compete with the star power that was on NXT. Did you have a good time Tuesday night last week, Cole? <clears throat> I did. I actually watched some of this. So this wasn't like a total, uh, yeah, it happened and I was unaware of it. Um, I, you know, wrestling's it, it's up and down for me. It's getting me a little interested again. Like it's there. Uh, you know, having a head to head always piques the interest of the wrestling fandom. But uh, I, I think this is one of those things that is getting blown a little bit out of proportion as well as like, I, th- I think it's starting to feel like Tony Khan is cracking under the pressure a little bit because he went on tirade after tirade on Twitter after he talked all kinds of shit and um, apparently he needs to learn. Don't poke the fucking bear. Like leave Sean alone, leave Hunter alone. Otherwise they will destroy you. Um, I feel like <clears throat> what, what's kind of flown under the radar here over the last six, eight weeks is that NXT's ratings have pretty much caught up to AEW. Like they're pretty damn close. They're, they're within a hundred thousand a lot of weeks. And so Anytime that you change nights of the week in your programming, it's going to hurt your ratings, period. So uh, 
AEW moving to Tuesday was just they weren't going to do the same number, period, because there were a bunch of people that were going to miss the boat, especially since the previous week, the uh, networks had an issue with Dynamite and everyone missed it on their DVR because they listed it wrong. And so like a lot of people didn't even get to see AEW. And then AEW is just really terrible about not letting people fucking know when shit's about to happen. Like they think that if they just tweet about it, then everyone will know. And that's not how life works, bud. The like 10% of the population is on Twitter. So you need to actually fucking tell people that watch your show. Hey, in two weeks, we're going to be on Tuesday. Hey, next week, we're going to be on Tuesday. And here's this amazing fucking super stack card we're going to put on Tuesday. So you should watch it. AEW doesn't do that shit because I don't think they know what they're going to do from week to week, which is unfortunate. So then when you're going head to head against a, a TV show, that's on its regularly scheduled time. And then they throw Cody Rhodes and Cena and surprise Undertaker at you. You're going to lose, period, regardless of what you do. And so it's getting blown out of proportion a little bit. But the fact that Tony Khan is acting so butthurt about it and crying about it and whining about it, like, dude, first of all, Dynamite's your A show. NXT is their C show. They destroyed you by 300,000 in the ratings. <laughs> Maybe you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's certainly making more excuses than history in the in the in the record books as far as who's beating who and he had an uphill battle to begin with by switching right. nights. And you know, he can crow all he wants about beating NXT previously. They were they were tied to pandemic rules where he was kind of only in Florida. And, uh, you know, granted, NXT was too, but uh, they had a lot more leniency with their product than uh, NXT did. And uh, now that the floodgates have opened, they're being exposed as NXT is the better show because they're putting on better storylines and getting people to tune in the very next week. Well, yeah, it at, at the moment, NXT is, has become better. Like for the last two years, NXT had been pretty god-fucking-awful. But now that they've kind of righted the ship and they've, you know, uh, Sean and Hunter are back in control of it and they don't have Bruce and fucking Vince dictating that, hey, guess what? All of your stars are leaving at the same fucking time and you only have developmental talents now, period. Plus, we're going to get rid of that black and gold shit and make it Technicolor Dreamcoat and it's going to look stupid on top of the fact that you have nobody anyone's ever heard of for a year and a half and now you have to create new stars so they've done a pretty good job about that like guys like carmelo hayes and like, like there's a lot in braun breaker let's just braun breakers fucking awesome so there's a lot of guys that are kind of coming up that are people are starting to get interested in having becky be the nxt champion and feuding and having nxt stuff talked about on monday night raw their a show like maybe Tony should do for Rampage and Collision. Like, <laughs> it's it's just, it's all the same program. It's the same product. It's the same company. So why wouldn't they decide once in a while, hey, guess what? We're going to have Cena and uh, Cody Rhodes on the show. The For me, honestly, the thing is, like, people celebrating on the WWE side also probably need to chill the fuck out because you didn't couldn't even get a million viewers with The Undertaker, Cena, Cody Rhodes, and Asuka on your C-show. So maybe it's not really that big of a win <laughs> as well on their side. <laughs> yeah, and that's just one form of measurement. But let, let's look at the views on YouTube. 
that gets right. paid a dick ton of money. Shit, we <laughs> views on YouTube is why people like the Paul brothers are famous and the millionaires. Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. And, and but that's the thing, AEW like the Edge stuff is doing really good views on YouTube, but it has it's not translating to ratings or tickets sold yet. So they've got a long way to go. Like I know Wembley was such a huge deal, but every other fucking show that at AEW's done for the last like three, four, five, six months is like the attendance is abysmal like not even just like oh it's it's down no it's like they need to be running small concert venues at this point because it's they can only sell 2000 3000 tickets to a tv taping also since they're doing three separate freaking shows now like it, it's just they got to do something and they need to start with story they need to start with good booking they need to start with long-term storytelling and they haven't given us that since the beginning which is why they're doing so poorly now i think yeah you can pile on the stars all you want but you know established stars are just established stars without compelling storylines they're just established stars and you got to give us a reason to tune in every week but what we're talking about today cole is a character where the company wwe made us made us interested in tuning into a match of WrestleMania every year because of this guy's allure and legendary status. And we're going to talk about the top 10 Undertaker WrestleMania matches. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you love Undertaker, you know, you're not really collecting tape on the man. He's not like, you know, a a wrestling clinic bell-to-bell, like, guy that you, like, put on a pedestal in that caliber. This is a guy that if... He's the Avengers of wrestling. You're going to see a movie. You're going to see a story play out. And yes, actually, the dude happens to be a really great worker and professional wrestler as well. When when the American Badass thing happened, we got to see that tenfold. And then when he morphed back into the super dead man with the American Badass wrestling ability, then all of his matches just turned up that much better because we got the theatrics and his pro wrestling skills later in his career. And I think that's just amazing. And just seeing him come on NXT the other day, it just, you know, with the Kid Rock music, come on, you know, Kid Rock's not that, like, well, like today. But when Undertaker uses it, it's fucking awesome. And uh, Choke Slamming a Steiner is uh, also a great thing to see. So I'm so happy to see Undertaker on TV again. And it's great timing because we're talking about him all month. I, I think one of my favorite things from the Undertaker thing is the little clip of him and Sean bumping into each other in the back and, and they, you know, they hug and Sean's hat. They're happy to see each other. And Taker's like, yeah, man, I got my gear. I've got everything ready to go. And Sean's like, ah, you're not going to need it. He's like, Oh, you saw my last match. huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> it's like, Oh man. And, and I, I, you know, I'm glad they kind of went more American badass than, you know, bringing out the dead man. I you think have to, I think it's cool that we've, officially retired the dead man gimmick and so we can let mark come out and do a thing once in a while make an appearance it's good for the fans it's fun stuff and it's nice to give Braun breaker the rub even when he's just getting destroyed just like hey kid you're gonna be great but you're you're not there yet <laughs> you lose nothing getting choked slammed by the undertaker absolutely and, uh, and like, you know, you kind of have to retire the dead man because once once Mark Calloway came out and did all those interviews that we just yeah. all loved, it was like something we that it was the last thing that he never did that he held on to for 30 years and did podcasts. We heard his real yes. voice and he talked about everything. 
And I do mean everything. The dude's yeah. been an open book since he retired. So him coming back as just the American badass, it's almost like he should have waited the entire time to do it to do it now. But uh, yeah, it's perfect. And I'm so glad that he protected the character for so long because um, he could have started doing that during the American badass days. I still think he would have been more of a prick because he was working as a heel, really, when he was doing that gimmick. And, and so but it, it's just nice to see a little bit of that old school. He might be the last of the old school dying out because, you know, guys like Chris Jericho have fully embraced the, uh, the, this generation of whatever the hell we're doing. And so he, you know, kayfabe is dead in, in AEW for sure. Um, so it, it was nice to see him be able to cut loose after protecting the gimmick for so, so long. Yeah, it's so ironic that kayfabe is dead, yet, yet the last person to hold it so proudly was the dead man. Yes. <laughs> oh, so oh. without further ado, let's get into the WrestleMania matches. I think I'll go first because I think we're going to spend the, little, the, the smallest amount of time on this match because I actually rewatched this uh, recently, actually, just to kind of remind myself, was it as good as I remembered? But, like, I think it's a solid number 10 just because of the performance of his opponent because it was something that I didn't really think he was capable of at the time, because it was a very late push of a monster push for this guy, because uh, he was around for so long before they actually started doing it, and I'm willing to bet it's because the guy didn't develop his in-ring skill until about 10 years later, and yeah. I'm going with the casket match at WrestleMania 22, and I'm going with Mark Henry, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Henry eats a tombstone from Undertaker at WrestleMania 22, and it's such an impressive-looking move to be done by someone with the body shape of Mark Henry. Mark, yeah. Mark, is, Mark is big. Like, he's a big guy, and he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's a very awkwardly shaped wide individual and to put him in a tombstone and and have him land it safely yeah and then roll his ass into a casket i felt was worth talking about it for a number 10 spot absolutely worth it because i mean this was the to me this was the difference maker for mark henry he you're right he didn't get a the monster push until way later in in life and didn't they kick this off with him like acting like he was going to retire? Was that the beginning of no, this run, or that this, was a later run? This is a couple okay. of years later with Cena, okay. which well, yeah, I want to yeah. talk about again <laughs> one yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, Mark Henry like totally during this stretch totally switched my opinion on him. Like I never thought he was terrible. I always thought he was fine. It's just like the, the smart fans. Are they just hate anybody that doesn't move at 99 miles an hour? Like, so anyone that takes their time and, and is all storytelling and doesn't do a lot of impressive moves gets shit on. But like, I thought his character work during this was phenomenal. I thought some of his matches were phenomenal. Like, he had just a phenomenal match with Rey Mysterio during what during what his run as a monster top guy. And and so for you know him and Taker to have a great match at Mania. Like, absolutely worth talking about. It's not going to make my top 10 list, which is why I'm digging in a little bit. But it, it's a fantastic match. And I think Mark Henry, uh, it's one of the moments that proves that he's a lot better than he gets credit for. So, my number 10, I'm just going to kick it right off. You can't have a streak unless you fucking start one. So, oh. I'm going the very first Undertaker WrestleMania match with Jimmy Snuka. It's short. It's sweet. It gets right to the point. But... 
it, it was a display of this brand new character on the grandest stage of them all and uh, WrestleMania seven. And, and it's, it's, it just, it, it's what kicks everything off. So like, we're not talking about the streak if not for this match. And I think this was like Undertaker's first, you know, one of his first big outings and, and, you know, they, fo- they featured him. It was a big win at WrestleMania against a guy that was legendary in his own time and in, in place. And, this was kind of it for Jimmy Snuka, um, but it, it's a it's a fun match. Uh, Snuka, I, I think at some point does like a springboard and Taker catches him and just fucking, you know, turns him into a tombstone. It's amazing. I really enjoy this match and it's my number 10. I know it's not going to make the final list, but that's what I'm kicking off with. I mean, certainly like every streak needs to start somewhere. And, you know, it's not Jimmy Snuka's first time with a corpse by any means. Um <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. So the next two I have, but you know, it's my number nine, but the next two I just realized were uh, events that I attended and I'm going to nice. go with uh, number nine, WrestleMania 12 against big daddy, cool diesel, ladies and gentlemen. Now this was the year that diesel was on his way out to become Kevin Nash uh, at WCW. This is right on the, t- this is right on the cusp of the outsiders, but Kevin Nash was like, I got to get that undertaker match before I go. And he just made that a part of his deal. He's just like, I want that match with Undertaker. No problems putting the guy over because, like, you know, as much as I want to leave and make more money, that is, you know, that's the guy that I want to be in the ring with. And then he had the big send-off with Sean where, like, they took Mad Dog for Sean's leg and they beat each other with it. That was great. Uh, But, yeah, WrestleMania 12, the atmosphere. I was 10 years old. I was in the building. Diesel was my guy. You know, my dad used to make fun of me about being a wrestling fan, my entire wrestling fandom existence. But like there would be like on occasion a guy that he would kind of like and he would yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah. and Diesel was that guy. Like, but my dad just thought that dude was like fucking badass and cool. I mean, hence Big Daddy Cool. He would grab the casual fan and even they would think he's cool. So Big Daddy Cool Diesel WrestleMania 12 was a solid number nine for me. I think it was probably the best of the monster. Uh, monsters that he fought um i mean we'll get there with some of the other ones but uh oh, yeah i think uh, kevin nash doesn't get a lot of credit for his in-ring work either and rightfully so on a lot of occasions but this match <laughs> this yeah. match he did a very good job yeah this match he had his working boots on for sure which is why it's also my number nine match yes! for undertaker we got a match right out the gate i think we're gonna be top heavy we're gonna match but uh there's gonna be a little bit of fun in between uh, but yeah, this is a great match. It's it's probably one of Kevin Nash's three best matches. I don't I don't think anyone would argue that. Like it's the the match with Brett, the match with Taker, and like maybe one other match. <laughs> but the the angle to set this up was one of the coolest things. Yes, ever. the, the mannequin. The, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the mannequin. But I'm talking about the cage match between Brett and Diesel. Yeah. and Undertaker rips up through the canvas and. <laughs> Dude, the mannequin fucking uh, it scared the shit out of me. I was ten when he put the when he put the the, the fake diesel in the casket and diesel finds himself. I was like, oh my god, he's dead. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go review that. Oh yeah, because I don't Nash... remember that off the top of my head. But oh, it's a mannequin with Kevin Nash beard. Actually, I don't even know if it's a mannequin. I think they might have just cut the camera and it's actually Kevin Nash in the casket and like he sells it like it's a ghost and it's like. And like watching Kevin Nash scared uh, as a 10 year old made me scared. And it just made me want to tune in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I really like this match. I, I loved Diesel. I was a Diesel guy, too. Like, the character was so good. It was so well-protected. Um, and, and, and even in an age time, you know, I was a Brett guy. Like, Brett was my guy, but I really liked Diesel. And, and so, you know, Brett won the belt, so I was happy. And then, you know, he went on to face Undertaker, so I was good with all of this. And then the Kevin Nash thing happened in WCW and, the you know, the wrestling business got lit on fire. So I think this is an important match. I'm glad we're talking about it. Absolutely. And yeah, well, that's going to bring me to my number eight because we did match on number nine, but WrestleMania 31, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a tad emotional and a little topical uh, considering the opponent, but this was the first match after the streak was broken. It was a very uh, strange looking match because it was in California Pacific standard time. And they really, they really tried to drag out the start of this match, tried to get some darkness in the arena or the stadium, rather. But yeah. Bray Wyatt versus The Undertaker. Undertaker getting his streak back on track uh, at WrestleMania against Bray Wyatt. Um, I, I I thought this was a great atmospherical match that, you know, that Undertaker came out with the with like the uh, with the Terminator hair. Uh, you know, it was an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, uh, hosted WrestleMania uh, so uh, he came out with like the the just the short the short hair. It wasn't a mohawk. It wasn't the long hair. So it was a different looking taker. And I remember Bray Wyatt's entrance was amazing with the dancing scarecrows on the way to the ring. I remember thinking Bray Wyatt is made even in losing to, to the Undertaker at WrestleMania. Um, yeah, great to be in attendance for it. It was an it was a match fitting for the Undertaker's return after the streak was broken. So yeah, I thought it was uh, worth talking about it. Uh, you know, for for what I was thinking at the time, because uh, the streak had already been broken, I thought because the streak was broken, I thought we were just going to make the new Undertaker right then and there. But I did also didn't think Taker was going to lose two years in a row either. So uh, big stage, big moment. I shared this moment with your cousin. And uh, yep. yeah, solid number eight for me. Uh, so it, it, it it's another one that's not going to make my list, but I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, I think this was more important to me in that, yeah, the streak had ended at WrestleMania 30, but also the match wasn't very good. Like, yeah. and most of that was because Taker got concussed very early on in the match and he was stumbling around. But then Taker, like, came back after that for the rematch with Brock and it also wasn't very good. So, like, going into this Bray Wyatt match, I was a little worried that we had seen the end of The Undertaker being good. Yeah. And so watching this match was a little nervous. And so not only did this get his WrestleMania winning ways back on track, it also was a pretty good match. And so it was like, okay, Undertaker's not, like, completely gone and done and this isn't going to be sad for the next however many years he keeps doing this and so it was it was like a get me right kind of match and, and then uh so it, it was to me this it, it was not only getting the undertaker right for winning at wrestlemania but also letting us know that he still had some gas left in the tank and, the, and it wasn't going to be sad so <laughs> that was that's why it's a little more important to me and but it, it's a good match it's solid i love it it's it's a story driven match which probably was you know it was time for taker to get back to more story driven stuff and not stealing the show at wrestlemania so to speak 
at that point. So yeah, it's a good match. I'm glad it's on here now for something that's not going to make anybody else's list in the oh, history of the world. No, I don't care. I fucking Harry, love this match. Harry <laughs> body suits are coming. <laughs> I know that the giant Gonzalez was oh, the absolute. He, he said it. <laughs> I know that he was the absolute drizzling shits. But for me, this was the one match that it wasn't god awful. <laughs> oh. It's not good. It's not great. It's not, it's super mediocre, but I feel like the story and Paul Bearer and the, uh, you know, Harvey Whippleman and, and all the, the Gaga made this work. It's just, it's mostly that this is like my first like pay-per-view that I knew it was coming. I watched it. I watched the Royal Rumble that year. That was my first, I ordered it pay-per-view, but this was like my first WrestleMania this was the first like big time for me. And by this point, I had already done some Coliseum home video and borrowed like recorded tapes from my cousins. So I knew WrestleMania was it. It was the big deal. And so this was my first mania. And that was that I even being the biggest Brett guy that there is like giant Gonzalez and undertaker was the main event for me as a kid. <laughs> and so this, I know this match is not good, but it has a special little place in my heart. So it's on my personal top 10 list. <laughs> do, do you hear this audience at home? Cole used to be such an easy audience. And now he's morphed into the cynical wrestling fan you hear today. <laughs> this guy, this guy <sighs> tuned into a wrestling show to see giant Gonzalez and undertaker. It, there you go. That's uh, that is a, 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 a sad true statement right so there. jericho can rest so jericho can fight a drone now is, is what you're saying he's okay now we're, we're good with jericho now uh, <laughs> oh okay. i was nine <laughs> so was wrestlemania uh, okay my number seven ladies and gentlemen now this is kind of fun for me because you know up until this point i i've only seen rick flair in you know wcw having matches and then occasionally reviewing coliseum home videos of old wwe stuff so this was like my first time seeing under seeing like rick flair on a big wwe stage just tearing the house down and there was blood it's if it, it, it's it's a great introduction to a flair match it's it, i got a flair match on my first go around in WWE and then you go back and you realize he's had a lot of these matches yeah. and <laughs> but this particular one at this point I'd only seen him wrestle Vince McMahon at the Royal Rumble so now he's going with a fucking blood feud against the American badass at WrestleMania 18 Arn Anderson comes in with a fucking sick spine buster on Undertaker yes. such a fantastic match the figure four and like Taker almost tapping and raising the hand and going to tap out but then just throws it on his throat the the it's Oh, it's a movie. It's Undertaker versus Ric Flair. It's one of those ma it's one of those dream matches that you didn't consider a dream match until like you're in the middle of it. So, uh, yeah, solid number seven for me. Go out of your way to rewatch it because I'm sure it's one of those forgotten Taker matches. But him versus Flair, uh, where they actually mentioned that he's ten and zero, uh, is fantastic. Yeah, it, it's definitely not forgotten by me. And so we'll talk about it a little bit later again. <clears throat> 
so for me, uh, my number seven, and and the the angle that set this match up was in my top ten Undertaker moments. So this match had to make the list. This was the first big time Undertaker match at WrestleMania. WrestleMania eight taken on Jake the Snake Roberts. This featured a tombstone on the fucking concrete. Like this was a fantastic match. Really was. Jake is such a master psychologist. Um, like I don't think Jake gets enough credit for helping or for the guys that he tr- he helped really because he guided Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin on psychology and like really made help them elevate to that next level with their character at different times in his career working with these guys. And now Jake was still kind of in his prime here, so he was able to go a little bit more. Um, but this was like he actually got some offense on the Undertaker a little bit. He had to cheat. He had to do all the the dirty underhanded stuff. But this was like you know WrestleMania Seven was just a get me over, introduce everyone to the Undertaker on a big stage. This was hey Undertaker's gonna be a babyface somehow all of a sudden, and now we're launching his babyface career, taking out Jake the Snake Roberts and ending Jake the Snake Roberts WWF career at the time. So. It's one of my favorite Undertaker matches ever and definitely has to make my top 10 WrestleMania list. And what a high praise for Jake the Snake Roberts to be considered such a monster to be the first like big storyline heel to go after the babyface Undertaker, who by all accounts at the time, the perception of him is that he was unbeatable. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he, he we got him. We've we've milked this thing dry as far as being a heel and unbeatable. We did the thing with Hogan. Now he's got to be a baby face so we can get another spin on this character. And for Jake to be considered that threatening monster to be the first guy and then go kind of right off into the sunset at WrestleMania after, after that WrestleMania, I think it's uh, just kind of speaks to where people put Jake as far as the pedestal uh, that he was on. Uh, again, uh, we just did a whole episode about him winning the championship, and that whole concept is drenched in the fact that the dude didn't need it because he was so established with his character. Right. And I, I think Jake is one of those guys that, um, you know, people that know, that really understand the business, uh, he gets mentioned as one of the the all-time greats and just the best to ever do it. Um, but I just, it's, he's one of those guys, it's so much missed opportunity, so much, like, wasted potential because if he could have just stayed straight and been good in that era, um, I mean, he, he, especially if he could have survived another year when they were trying to figure out who the fuck the champion was going to be, cause they were losing Hogan and they didn't want steroid guys like, Oh my God, like Jake, the snake Roberts was six months away from being the world heavyweight champion. If he could have just stuck with the company and got his shit together and been clean, like, I, I think if Jake would have stuck around for the next couple of years, him and Brett, like, can you imagine him and Brett feuding and the psychological matches they could have had? Like, fuck, I, uh, I don't know yeah. why this is the first time I really put those two things together, but <laughs> yeah. And with as much as Stu and Helen be at ringside, imagine Jake fucking oh. with, with Helen. Oh, it'd be so good. Oh, and Stu. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to bring me to my number six. Now my number six, I'll go on record and say that this is probably, and I, and I think I have gone record on this very show and said on the top 10 storylines of all time, that, that this is probably the top three storylines of all time. Um, so much so that the writer of it named his son after the the adversary of this storyline. But the Kane versus Undertaker story, 
the original story that led all the way up to WrestleMania 14. And the match itself is going to be my number six. Uh, the first match between Undertaker and Kane, uh, I, I didn't think it was critically acclaimed at the time. But if you go back and watch it, these two seven foot dudes put on a, basically a TNA match. There's a part, there's a freaking part in the in the match where Taker goes for his plancha and mm-hmm. then Kane in midair just catches him and just drives him down through the announce table. Now picture that. That's yeah. Undertaker flying far enough away to be vertically over the announce table. They didn't move it closer. It's the same exact spot. It's been there for years. Yeah. And he still made it and freaking Kane just dunks his ass on the table. You know, Mark Calloway is probably one of the most athletic big men of all time, just because he's been doing that same thing for so long. And like when he busts it out, it's great. And then not to mention for the first time ever, uh, uh, Kane, uh, he's kicking out of two tombstones and then kicks out just out of time on the third one. So it was like really putting, if you talk about the whole making somebody look strong thing, this the, the build for Kane and then this match with Kane is a prime example of getting over and going over. So all this big buildup for Kane for him to lose at WrestleMania uh, got him more over than him just beating Taker, I think, because look how hard Taker had to work to put him away. Uh, so I thought this was a very great storyline. It brings me back to my childhood. As I'm talking about it now, I don't know why it's not higher up on my list, but <laughs> uh, but uh this i think this match if i really want to like step back and look at it for what it is i think you know this match belongs right in the middle i i i went into this without a cane and taker match on my top 10 i'll just spoil that right now mm-hmm. but knowing full well that whichever one you picked was going on the final list like because they deserve it and, and so it's going on the list. I, I almost, right <laughs> yeah, I almost picked the other one, but the other one is just the entrance for me. Like, you know, him yeah, returning right, as right. the dead man is all it was. I was like, okay, here's my cigarette. Now let's just get to the tombstone. <laughs> I And so I think what you just said, Undertaker deserves a little bit of credit here because this Kane storyline uh, where he was built as this just unstoppable monster could have easily ended at WrestleMania after Undertaker beat him. Like this could have easily been the end of Glenn Jacobs wrestling career, pretty much. I mean, because what next after yeah. you beat the unbeatable monster, what next? But it was such a good match. The story was so good that they were able to work 20 years as Kane and Undertaker pretty much after this. And it was fine and no one had a complaint. And then, you know, Kane went on to ha- to be a mainstay and, and, you know, that next to top level guy after this in what very easily could have been a one and done character. Like this could have been an old school territory fucking villain, especially since it's just a guy in a mask and that could have been the end of it. But the fact that they did it so well and the match was good and they made even in defeat made Kane look like he was still a monster, but the undertaker is just our monster. He's the monster of monsters like, okay, so undertaker could beat Kane, but nobody else could beat this motherfucker. So because it took undertaker three tombstones and even then he still was trying to kick out. So it's so well done. It's so good. I'm glad we're talking about it. It's definitely this match of the Kane and taker matches. That's the best to me. 
So uh, agreed. I'm glad it's on the final list. Because <laughs> yeah, because we got the cane mask and the and the original cane outfit too, which you know for me it plays a part. Like I love yes. that original version of Kane. So I for me I got to see, I got to see Freddy versus Jason in the wrestling ring. Yeah. So it was it was such it, it's so it was such a great time. Uh, it was when WrestleMania was in the arenas too, so it was like smaller. Uh, you know, I love the stadiums, but like it's just. When when stars align and stars are as big as those two were at the time, you don't need a stadium. You know what's what's the cornet line? Uh, you know, yeah, so yeah, sometimes yeah, sometimes you have a match that needs a stadium, and then sometimes you have a stadium that needs a match. And, yeah, you know, and, and this was a match that probably could have filled the stadium the way it was booked, the way it was built up, and, and, along with Sean versus uh austin being yeah. the other thing i'm sure they could have you know probably done really well uh with ticket sales and not to mention throwing mike tyson into the mix the other the last point i want to make about kane and taker is like it this was so good and they got taker or they got kane over so well that even though he was built uh you know build rather as this burned disfigured person when he finally did start taking off clothes nobody cared that he wasn't disfigured and burnt so <laughs> no i mean we've already come to terms that taker's not dead yeah exactly so <laughs> all right so like you said uh undertaker having matches that are more like movies than than uh, uh wrestling matches I'm going to go with an actual movie. Oh, Here boy. you go. This honestly, <laughs> you know, my number six, it, it's it, this. When this happened, I had all the hopes in the world for what cinematic wrestling could be because this was so well done mm -hmm. and this was shot so well. And the story they told was absolutely incredible. Um, see, I didn't go with phenomenal there. Look at that. Ah. <laughs> it could have worked for both guys. I know, but it, yeah, the phenom versus the phenomenal. But uh, it this is it was so well done, and I thought, like in a way, I'm kind of glad this was Undertaker's last match because I don't think he could have delivered something this good in the ring, just in front of people, bell to bell, at that point in his life, and. This was like it, this was even one of those moments where I was like, dude, they could do this for the next 10 years and keep the Undertaker at WrestleMania alive. And I'd be OK with it because it was so good and so well done. And even then I was like, dude, I would be totally cool with the Undertaker as a movie character like this was so great. Like Undertaker being that John Wayne character that just never goes away, never dies, you know, keeps fighting to the end, even when he's outgunned, even when he's outmanned. Like, it's so such a good story that it, it's just one of my favorite things in wrestling ever, let alone The Undertaker's career. So, yeah, it's number six on my WrestleMania matches for Undertaker. Oh, my gosh, dude, WWE Studios, if you're listening, get a franchise going. Just have just have it called Undertaken. <laughs> yes. And it's just it's just I, the Liam Neeson movie. I have I, a certain set of skills. I bury my opponents, all of them. <laughs> I earn my victories. Uh, oh, oh, See, oh they, just, could, they could hire us for any, you know, they could hire us to book a show. They could hire us to write the run their movie studio. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Liam Neeson's the villain, too. That'd be so good. And he's got his accent. They we just let him have it. <laughs> oh man, the 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 ending dialogue would be so monotone and boring. 
Oh man. Just between my, the two. <laughs> I think I think my favorite Lee and Nisa movie, like not it's not my favorite movie, but like one of my my favorite appearance of his is in like a million ways to die in the West when he's not even trying to do a Western accent. He's just like going full Irish accent in yeah. the West and it doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. Oh. Yeah, I mean, just to put a bow on the boneyard match, like I went. This was the first cinematic match. This is the match. This is the match we needed. It was a necessity booked match for the Undertaker because of COVID and all that stuff. And then the cinematic matches definitely wore out their welcome. But oh this yeah, is, this is the end all be all for me. Yeah, this, this is what <laughs> this is one time where wrestling started off with perfection and then it just went to shit immediately following that. I, yeah. will, I will give them at least the, the crazy Bray Wyatt thing was fun with Cena. Like it was fun. It was a nostalgia piece. It was ridiculous and silly, but it was fun. It and was yeah. a love letter to the diehard dirt sheet readers. Like yes. it, it, I, I thought that was well done for what it was. But then we get the swamp fight. That yeah. Bray Wyatt and uh, Braun Strowman head, and, and then we and, and, then, and then we then we get Seth Rollins popping out uh, Ray's eye, and then we get the Money in the Bank yeah uh, that's building the one match for me. That's Baron, when I was done with it. I Corbin was, killed a guy. Corbin killed a guy, and we didn't acknowledge it. That was another time someone died on Sunday, and then was on Raw on Monday. Like <laughs> we hung the big boss man. We threw Ray Mysterio off a fucking multi-story building. <laughs> Oh boy! <coughs> oh, really well, that's gonna bad. that's gonna bring me to the middle of my list, ladies and gentlemen. Number five and uh, WrestleMania twenty one. Uh, we made this gentleman. Triple H put this guy on the map with the big title win, the big story, and then two years later, I think he had the best match of his career at WrestleMania twenty three when he went toe to toe with the Undertaker. Uh, I'm talking about Mr. Batista, ladies and gentlemen. WrestleMania 23, this was Batista's finest moment in the wrestling ring. Uh, He was the defending champion. I actually thought that the streak was going to get broken because I felt like they were still in building Batista mode. This was just going to be the next step for him. But I was on the edge of my seat. Taker did such a great job just, you know, because obviously Batista got good, but he never got his he never got over his telegraphing you could tell he was yeah, thinking yeah, yeah, the yeah. entire time but you know he was still a big giant dude and someone with that body is typically not known for their bell to bell work but i think batista got there at some point and this was a big big test for him and he had i thought was one of the matches of the evening and it was with taker and it was for the championship and this was the year that taker had that amazing royal rumble win so for him to come off of that against Sean and then come after Batista at WrestleMania. And not to mention the way they set up this match. This was during the time where WWE ECW was a thing. So yeah. they had all three champions in the ring. And the big storyline was who is Taker going to choose? So he had a face off with Cena, a face off with Bobby Lashley, and a face off with uh, Batista. And he was just, you know, kind of going back and forth and gave Batista the big cutthroat, and then we were off to the races. So right in the middle for me, I'm giving Batista his flowers for having probably his best match ever at WrestleMania 23 against the Dead Man. Well, I think I may need to review it then, because this is not one of the Batista matches that stands out. To me, Batista's greatest moment is tapping out to Brian Danielson like he should have. Uh, in really solidifying him, but uh... so so after his career, 
coming back after Guardians of the Galaxy and putting over Daniel Bryan. I, I'll take it. You know, yeah. it's good. No, but I, I also I, I really think that the Triple H Batista WrestleMania match was probably his best match, honestly, if I if, for me. And mm-hmm. and you know me, I'm not the biggest Triple H uh, <laughs> lover, but I, I think that's one of both of their better matches. And, uh, you know, it's like anything with age or with experience in the wrestling business. Most guys, almost everyone figures it out at some point if you get to keep working. And, and so later career, second, you know, run Batista, I think is his best work. Um, but I, I'm, this is just like the beginning of me not giving a shit about WrestleMania. <laughs> it's kind of in that, in that pocket. So it, it's in the forgettable lump together year. So I, I, I will review it. Um, but it's not on my list, but I won't disqualify it from the final list. So, oh, it doesn't need to make the final list. It's Batista. <clears throat> so now that I buried Triple H, let's talk about WrestleMania 17 uh, because this is genuinely one of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all the times. You know, we it, we it, we might have to do a top 50 list to get there, but it's in there for sure. But it this what for me, um. I think this was the first time that it was a little bit different for Undertaker at WrestleMania. This is, he's in there with like a real opponent. Uh, He gets to show off what he's doing. It's not, you know, Undertaker versus the monster. It's not Undertaker, you know, in a handicap match. It's not Undertaker doing some silly shit. He's in a real feud with a top guy uh, that had, you know, this match has world title implications to it. And I, I think this was one of those times we got to see a different side of the Undertaker because they, it, this, I, if I remember right, there was a bunch of stuff outside of the ring on this. This was a little more in the hardcore realm, and it's just a really good match. Honestly, I think it's you know one of those Triple H matches that flies under the radar, and Undertaker too, for that matter. And I like this a hell of a lot better than the later Triple H Undertaker matches that I just fucking hate. And so (laughs) for me of the three WrestleMania Triple H Undertaker matches, this is the best one. And uh, so it's my number five. Solid number five. And yeah, WrestleMania 17. And yeah, like all three, you know, I think Triple H has the most matches with Undertaker WrestleMania. Yeah. All three of them are not on my list. Nice. I know. I thought for sure. I thought for sure the one you always defend that I absolutely hate was going to make your list. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The end of an era one. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah Storyline for sure. <laughs> yeah, sto- the acting in the match and Shawn Michaels, that, that shit was fantastic. But yeah, the fact that there's no blood with all those weaponry, like just you know, kind of kills it. But, you know, that's not the performer's fault. That's Vince's fault. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So and, and that's yeah. Well, to be clear, I don't hate it because of anything necessary much as the constraints they were put under yet they let triple h build this match up as the i will there is nothing i won't do to end the undertaker's career and streak i will stop at nothing except for hitting him in the head with anything and making him bleed you know (laughs) in a wrestling cage match like fuck you vince (laughs) yeah and plus triple h bad move bro he's already dead Okay, so I I name-dropped the WrestleMania 21 earlier in my last pick, but my number four is going to be the WrestleMania 21 match itself. And I swear, this was the first time that they actually made the streak a storyline 
this was a big test for Randall Orton. Uh, this was such a great match. Great build. Uh, I, I love the build of like Randy Orton seeking advice. And he's like, you know, you just got to make your moment, kid. And you got to do, you know, you got to do something big. You know, well, what's something that you can do on your way to the championship? And he's like, okay, I'll think about it. And then he has a he has a magazine in his hand and throws it on the lock uh, throws it on the floor and it's just you know the magazine that came out at the time of under, of uh, describing Undertaker's WrestleMania streak and then the very next week he has the big face off with the Undertaker gives him the RKO and then we get you know Randy Orton's dad involved the build up was great uh, I've had some, I had some friends that were participating as druids for the Undertaker's entrance that night yeah, uh, yeah. your sister got to unfairly go to this WrestleMania. Because <laughs> uh, it was uh, in L.A., uh, but you know, and not to mention, watching this match was like watching a million dollar kitchen. Because I saw one of the greatest counters I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> oh, puns! Anyway, the the joke, uh, the the choke slam, the joke slam, the choke slam into the RKO is uh, is a highlight reel moment for me in any Undertaker match. Uh, fantastic match can't talk about it enough it's well within my favorite wrestlemania of all time so number four randy orton wrestlemania 21 my number four randall orton take it on the undertaker at wrestlemania 21 this is great you're right this is when the streak became a thing but also the legend killer stuff around this too with orton like this was one of the few times that like everything just lined up perfectly. Uh, I love them getting Bob Orton involved. I love this whole feud, but the match at WrestleMania is absolutely incredible. I, this is one of those moments where it we went, holy shit, Orton's a tippy top guy. Like he's the fucking guy. He's great. This is amazing. And the match is phenomenal. It's it, it probably was the best Undertaker match to that point, if we're being honest about it. And uh, I mean, arguably, it, it, but it, it definitely was raised Orton to that level of not just like, oh, yeah, he's a contender or he's a guy that could have a title runs to being like, holy shit, this guy's the top guy for the next decade. And there's nothing anyone could do about it. I love this match. Um, it's, it's definitely one of the highlights of your favorite WrestleMania. So, uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad it's here. We agree. It's definitely on the final list. I love it. Fantastical. And because we match, that means it's my turn again. And my number three, this was another one. This was a later WrestleMania match for the undertaker. This was very monumental, especially for the time, especially stories coming out of it. Uh, but you know, a lot of people who like to rebook history and like the fantasy book often think about this match being the one where the act where the streak should have been broken and it would have made sense and it would have been quite the apology for what dude had to go through a couple months before. But WrestleMania 29 versus CM Punk is uh, probably one of Phil Brooks's top five matches in the WWE uh, spectrum. And he's on record at saying that he's the, he's the most unhappiest and unmotivated he's ever been. And he's going out there with rest in WrestleMania against the undertaker. So I don't know if it just speaks to how miserable he was or how miserable he just is. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but the match itself, bell to bell is fantastic. And plus the build, like, you know, this is right when Paul bear died. Uh, so for punk and, and for punk and Paul Heyman, 
to come out there and distract the Undertaker during the tribute to Paul Bear. Paul Heyman comes out dressed as Paul Bear with the urn, and then as Taker runs his ass up there to go and get Paul Heyman, uh, Brock, uh, Brock, uh, Punk, you know, gets pops out uh, disguised as a druid and starts beating him with the urn and starts throwing ashes on Taker, you know, at pretending that it's Paul Bear. This was like Russo writing in the late in the late 2000s like the 2010s uh and uh yeah fantastic angle i i kind of think if as far as like as far as like matches that actually happened in the streak and you asked me like when should it have been broken i think this would have been it now i can talk all day about who should have broke it in fantasy land but if you're asking me to pick from the list of people that actually had the match at wrestlemania this is probably the closest one uh, I think where it would have made sense. Um, so yeah, number three, highly underrated match considering all the controversy around it, but CM Punk versus Undertaker is a definite top three for me. And next week we will talk about all day uh, who should have ended the streak and how it should have happened. So that's a nice little transition there going into my number three. Uh, the CM Punk match was like really close for me. It, it's right there on the cusp. Um, I think it's going to make the final list. I already put a little X next to it, uh, ah. but, but it just straight edge. Yeah. Yeah. Straight edge. It, it just, I don't know, like <sighs> WrestleMania 23 through 29 are for me are just so like there. They just happened like at that. This match, it doesn't jump to mind for me as one of my favorite matches, which is silly because the next Fuck it, you know, my top two matches are in that stretch, and but they just captured the hearts and minds of everyone who was a wrestling fan, so they made the list. But like just the just the five <laughs> seconds learning that fact about you just make I just like I've listed like so many things that happened throughout those WrestleManias that just makes me want to just punch you and just have you rewatch those because Maybe it's just your mood then, though that decade. But you gotta re- you gotta rewatch those, buddy. Fantastic WrestleMania. I I've rewatched a few of them. Like I know that like you know, twenty one is 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 a lot better than I remembered it, but it's still not like on my fave five. But like, I don't know, man. There twenty five is a two match card. Twenty six is a one match card. Like, there's just I know there's stuff in there, but like WrestleMania as a whole for like that stretch just. It, it just it's more of the, where WWE was at, where they just didn't have star power. They weren't really telling enough story. They just were throwing shit together. There wasn't any like long term booking except for maybe the top angle where just like every WrestleMania, they're just kind of blends together. And it's, you know, it, and when I go back to my memory banks, I can't tell you what happened when except for like the big, big, big moments that were just so above and beyond good and that's really just wrestlemania that's really just wrestlemania in a nutshell because i'll go back and i'll just ask i'll ask anybody i'll challenge anybody to go back to any 39 wrestlemanias and give me a start to finish good one uh you know but there's 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 shit in all of them (laughs) (laughs) all of them i think 17 and 18 are start to finish great like there's there's maybe a segment you could go that's not like above average but i there's no like train wreck fucking like garbage <laughs> we look back fondly on the gimmick battle royal <laughs> but it's garbage <laughs> well, we, <laughs> yes but 
it's a gimmick battle even royal. My, it's even, a, my, yeah, yeah. even my favorite WrestleMania of all time has Aki Bono versus the Big Show. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Maybe WrestleMania 7. Go watch WrestleMania 7 and try to find me the, like, I'm going to go to the garage moment. <laughs> well, for most of the world, the entire show itself. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. So my number three. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Ric Flair and Undertaker WrestleMania 18. I think this match is you know, it. Other than the match with Sean, I think this is Ric Flair's finest moment in his WWE run after WCW died. <laughs> the match so, with Sean happened during that time frame of your WrestleMania, of your anti WrestleMania hate too. Correct, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, there's like. Four individual matches I remember between 22 and 29. <laughs> and then that's like, the, dude, that's our next top 10. Top 10 yeah. things that happened during that time period that Cole <laughs> blends that Cole Benz WrestleMania. <laughs> oh no, but then I have to actually do research and shit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. But yeah, so like everything you said about this match holds true, but this is great. I got flair bleeds a lot. And then when you get that, just it, it, this is might be the last great spine buster that Arn Anderson ever threw in his life because he's thrown a couple at AEW, but they're not exactly uh, <laughs> you know, like I mean, this one. I mean, and, the, uh, the arena spine bust Arn more than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Him trying to, yeah, Arn trying to walk around the, all the ring post. <laughs> yeah, Arn eats more spine busters than anybody. <laughs> oh that's unfortunate it is oh but yeah so this, this flare match it's great i was a huge flare mark going back to my first introduction to the wrestling business rick flair was finishing up his run with WWE. he had the big match with savage so i had already had a frame of reference for flair i loved flair and so him coming back i was thoroughly excited and he delivered a rick flair classic at WrestleMania that year with the undertaker. It's a great match. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, it's way, a little higher on my list than yours, but uh, it's definitely going to make the final list. And I'm happy about it. I am happy about it too. And, you know, I, my number two, I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it just because you can go back to all of our episodes and see us talk about this match. And, you know, it, and, and this match isn't talked about for its match quality. Just because there, it isn't there, unfortunately, because Undertaker got hurt at the beginning. But this match is rested and so high up on my list because of the moment that, you know, took place afterwards. Where, what led to the end of this and what it meant to the wrestling business. And a big reason why we're ending Undertaker Month with this uh, subject in mind. But WrestleMania 30 against Brock Lesnar, it doesn't have to be a great match. What, what at the end of it, the you if you like heat if you like just angles and what wrestling can dig out of you emotionally this right here is the first of its kind because i don't recall something so monumental happening that it just stuns the audience silent and 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 like it's a loud silence like it's such a it's such a like a, a present silence and like you it you don't feel heat unless it's like loud booze and seeing trash thrown in the ring. But like, I never felt so much heat from silence in my life. And it's such like, I'm go, I'm trying to go back to your room when we were watching it 
<laughs> but, but watching it live and just if you can bottle that up and just tell me that you can easily pour this on any moment in wrestling and you'll have that feeling in the audience and and, and the people at home any promoter in life would would take would take that in a heartbeat so yes the match isn't the greatest match in the world it's it's drenched in unfortunate circumstances but the the moment itself because of how built this streak was for this to happen at all is why this is number two for me it's not on my list uh just same as it wasn't on my my top undertaker moments list because i just for me i i just i hated the choice to make it lesnar i still hate the choice to make it lesnar however um, like I said a couple weeks ago, this is such a monumental moment. Um, they managed to shock us with ending the streak in a moment where nobody, where everyone really kind of thought it was pretty safe because Brock was a part timer. We knew he wasn't going to be back full time. And it was like, well, nobody needs to get Brock Lesnar more over. He's one, the only guy in, in UFC history that did a million pay-per-view buys at that point. Like nobody, th- nobody imagined that they were going to have Brock Lesnar beat the undertaker at WrestleMania. And you're right. The match is not great because, you know, we got injuries. We got, you know, shit happens. Um, but that moment at the end of it where it's like dead silent in the arena, not an arena, in a stadium, it's dead silent. And everyone's sitting there like, because Undertaker, we didn't know because Undertaker was kind of acting funny. We didn't know if he was just hurt or if he forgot to kick out. But then when we saw the 21 in one fucking logo on the screen, it was clear that this was the plan. This was what was supposed to happen. This is what they did. And then like the realization suddenly starts to sit in and everyone just like feels awful. Like nobody's happy. (laughs) Everyone's everyone's pissed, which is cool that I'm glad it happened. It wasn't go away heat when it was all said and done because it's fucking Brock Lesnar. It's believable. It's not something that's completely out of the question that Brock could beat the undertaker. Cause I'm sure if it was a real fight, Brock would probably destroy Mark Calloway. But like, yeah, that's why I've completely come around that he's the yeah. best choice. Cause I, I, you know, we are going to have a fun discussion next week, but like, if I'm going to be a realist, who else Please answer that. Who else? I mean, you're going to answer it next week. Yeah, I'm like, definitely going to answer it next week because I know exactly who I would have picked and why I would have picked them. And I like I, this was the guy I said back then should have done it. So, like, yeah, I, I just, you know, like I think the goal was to make the next guy light taker to get people over later. Uh, you know, I will get we'll have a big old discussion next week. But, uh, you know, it's that's why it's such a fun topic. You know, you know, people don't rebook Game of Thrones. People rebook wrestling. Yeah, that's why wrestling's exactly. so much fun. Although so, there's lots, I'm actually sure there's lots of people that rebook the the ending of Game of Thrones. I'm sure there's all kinds of fan fiction out there for that because uh, it's a show I've never seen one fucking minute of, let alone an episode. And uh, all I know is that everyone hated the fucking finish. 
yeah, <laughs> not to spend so much time on this, but uh, someone explained this to me very well, and I actually kind of buy into this uh, buy into this uh, version or take rather. But like anybody who started Game of Thrones at the very beginning and put in the ten years and hates yeah. the ending is validated. Anybody who starts Game of Thrones now from start to finish and takes two weeks to complete it, everyone loves it. Everyone goes. Uh, I think it's fair. just people. I think it's just people who like if you put 10 years in any into anything you're going to hate the ending just because it's not going to live up to the 10 years you spent on it. Uh that's how I've always just imagined you know, all the shows that I've considered jumping the shark but like, every person that I've ever turned Game of Thrones onto and they just start it and then and then finish it just binge it all the way through it really enjoy the ending and I can't really go into in depth with you because you don't know the story. Yeah, like, yeah, and I'll probably get there. It's something I'll probably binge at some point. And in fact, now that you've just said that, it might be on my next to-do list. Like, I'm it's I'm, still one of the greatest yeah. shows of all time because I just think <clears throat> I just think like if you put ten years into something, it's not going to end the way you want it to. No, I get that because that ties into like Walking Dead. Like, there's that moment in Walking Dead that everyone built up to, and it was the greatest thing that I've ever seen in the history of television. It's you know, and it, it's the thing that pushed Dexter the end of season four to number two. Like, <laughs> and I understand. I understood in real time why people kind of lost interest, but I have gone back since and rewatched binge style the entire series. And honestly, when you binge it, when Negan bashes in his, you know, two heads yeah. and kills people, like it actually gets better after that in binge form. But since we waited for like 16 fucking months for the follow up and they gave us like two episodes where Rick was acting like a big giant fucking sissy and like was scared and it just like it turned everyone off and pissed everyone off. And, and it's so I think, you know, rewatching Walking Dead binge style, it's good from start to finish. And there's only like two bad episodes ever. And it's way after Negan has gone so i'm i'm with you now and i might be able to fucking get i'm i think i'm gonna finally you know do game of thrones <laughs> oh you won't you won't be disappointed it's some of the best twists and turns and heat brother you'll ever see if you like if you like just people not giving a fuck about feelings it's yes. the show for sure oh which i love i love when they kill off people like that are are, are especially when they kill kids like in same day oh. walking dead when they oh kill carl uh, no okay okay i know we're tangenting a lot sound bites ladies and gentlemen <laughs> sound bites i love when they kill kids is going to be a t-shirt so like we live in this world right now where people like lose their minds when like they kill a kid in a show or whatever because they act like kids are more special than the rest of us or like somehow more important when in reality they're completely useless to society they don't do anything for anybody and they're so less important than the adults but we're so sad when kids die and stuff but not like adults get murdered eh, it's just a fucking person fuck them so <laughs> when they kill kids on shows i love it <laughs> so, so Alex my Jones number will be two. our next guest uh <laughs> on our next bracket <laughs> So my number two, I'm just going to kick it off now. It's uh, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker 2 from WrestleMania 26. It's phenomenal. Shawn Michaels oh. retires. They tell a great story. I love the match. We've talked long enough today, and uh, this isn't the best of the two, so we're going to talk about the other one probably for the rest of this show. So, yeah, Shawn Michaels, Taker 2, Shawn retires. It's great. I love the match. The story is amazing. It it's, it's just wonderful, and I love it. And this is why Shawn Michaels is so unfair because we spent a lot of time saying, "Look, you got you got to pick one of the Kane matches." 
hey, look, you got to pick right. one of the Triple H matches, <laughs> matches. But it, it sounds like you're picking both of the Shawn Michaels matches. One thousand percent, bud. They're the two best matches of Taker's life. So I'm going with both. Oh no, and I'm not mad at it. I'm just I'm just trying to tell people at home that if you ever try to develop any Shawn Michaels hate because of you know whatever. Yeah, just, whatever reason. <laughs> just just know that A, you don't know the man. And if you really just go by what's happening between those ropes, there really isn't much you can say because the man is flawless. Um uh, and yeah, I I did pick between the two. And since we're here now, my number one is WrestleMania 25. You know, the only reason why the second one isn't as good is because we just saw it. Had it been the first time we've seen it, it would have been it would have been as good as 25. And yeah. that's just only because of how talented these two people were at the time of their careers. You know, it's this was a big lesson to everyone on the roster. Uh, just because we cock teased this at, re- at at a Royal Rumble in 07, this became like the next like three years of our company. And it, oh, and oh, these were these were stars of the Attitude Era. And this yeah, is well yeah. into the 2010s, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, and so, it's the best matches they had during this entire stretch. So <laughs> not only that, if you if you put a gun in someone's head right now, this this match, you know, is highly regarded as probably the best match that WWE has produced. And it's one of those matches where like, you know, I have my opinions, you have your opinions, but if someone threw this match at me, I, I'll go fair. That's fair. Like, you know, oh, it, absolutely. Won't, it won't make me go, oh, you're fucking crazy, dude. Like th- this yeah. is, if you're going to have a favorite match of all time, if you're going to, if you're going to put, if you're going to die on a hill and say that this is the best match of all time, I won't argue with you because it, you can certainly say a lot worse. <laughs> and, yeah yeah I, I i will i will give you my opinion but i won't tell you you're wrong like not yeah, this all. is right up there if this is yeah if this you think this is the greatest wrestling match of all time i i, I can't tell you i i you know yeah i don't think less of you this is where is where i'm at <laughs> no in fact i'll just know oh this guy knows yeah. <laughs> this guy i could talk to this person about wrestling <laughs> for sure so yeah that's my number one wrestlemania 25 you know the there's there's very rarely when a match is so good you just forget everything else on the card but like luckily jericho had that match with all the legends and that that stood out to me that same night well there was nothing else on this card that was worth remembering except for jericho and steamboat so yeah i'm glad this match is attached to that wrestlemania otherwise it would be the worst wrestlemania of all time (laughs) yeah and i and the only thing that really that's really good that came out of this uh, wrestlemania aside from the taker Shawn michaels match is the story of triple h and randy orton watching the monitor and just looking at each other and go fuck Yeah, yeah 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 pretty much pretty much uh which but i mean it was so good they earned closing the show the next year regardless of titles or anything else so i i mean dude this match i what else can we really say about this match it's right up there as one of the greatest matches of all time it's two guys that were both a little bit past their prime but that were just so good and such great storytellers like i wish that this was everyone's favorite match and not like some of the fucking like spot fest matches that had you know, big things like the Halloween Havoc match or, you know, some of the other matches where work rate uh, gets the credit for doing the, the heavy lifting in the match. But like this is such a masterpiece of of professional wrestling psychology and storytelling. And it did have all the action and it did had all the I mean, it just had everything. It's so great. It's so perfect. 
Um, I think this is like the perfect example of what sports entertainment is because yeah, you could call this a classic wrestling match too, but it's so entertaining. The story, the drama around everything. This is what the professional wrestling business is and what it should always be about. It's just an absolute masterclass. If you haven't seen it, you're an idiot, but go see it now. If you want to be in the wrestling business, watch this match and then pattern yourself after this, not what's happening today. <laughs> Well said. Well said. We both have our list. I know we matched on it quite a bit, so we got to solidify a final list, ladies and gentlemen. I, so I'm giving, I'm going to just go ahead and right now, uh, Brock versus Takers on the list. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you CM Punk because it's so high up on your list. It, I think it deserves to be here. I think it was a big deal. I think it was, uh, it's definitely one of the times where I think everyone thought the streak was going to end. And, and I, I, and if I'm going to be honest, I think the fact that they didn't do it with punk was also a big, huge part of the reason that we were, were lulled to sleep on WrestleMania 30. Cause it was, it was the year before, right? You said 29. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So at 29, they didn't put over punk who was basically the top guy in the company realistically. So why the fuck are they going to put Brock over on Taker? <laughs> like- so I'm going to give you that one. I'm going to, uh, we definitely need to have the cane match on here for sure. Um, because I mean, I don't, you can't talk about takers career without mentioning cane without tying them together. So, uh, with that, we need to fill two slots. I'd like to suggest the WrestleMania 17 Triple H match, unless you want to pick one of the other Triple H matches. No, because we didn't mention those. Uh, you know, you <laughs> might you might as well, you know, just because I'm a fan of the other two, you might as well use the one from the WrestleMania that's considered one of the best WrestleManias of all time. Absolutely. And so then for me, my, my personal fucking uh i would go with either the jake match or the aj match but i will give it to you on your list i also checked off the batista match as a possibility or the bray wyatt match so one of those four i will this is undertaker month so i will give you the final decision on the final slot to fill well, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. And because, Ooh, I and love because, curveballs. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's a match that's on my list. But, you know, I think I think in talking about it, I think we both gave this man some flowers. And I think I think he'd be honored to be a number 10 spot on my list. So if, it, if with your permission, would you consider Mark Henry getting in that number 10 spot? Uh, so so uh, it shall be. So we have a top 10 list ready to go wrong. Oh, yes. We have a number 10 and it's sexual, baby. Oh, yeah. 10. The Undertaker versus Mark Henry WrestleMania 22 casket match. Nine. The Undertaker versus Triple H from WrestleMania 17. Eight. The Undertaker versus Kane from WrestleMania 14. Seven. CM Punk. WrestleMania 29. Six Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, the retirement of Shawn Michaels match, WrestleMania 26. 
five. Undertaker versus Diesel, WrestleMania 12. Four. Undertaker versus Ric Flair, WrestleMania 18. Three. The Undertaker versus Randy Orton from WrestleMania 21. Two. The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 30. And number one. And number one, the unquestioned GOAT, WrestleMania 25, Undertaker versus the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, the match that stole the decade, I think. Ah, there we go. We got a top 10 list. And next week, Ronald, what are we doing? Oh, yes, yes. All all streaks have led up to this moment, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to wrap up Undertaker Month by talking about what should have happened when the streak ended or should it have ended you know ooh, little foreshadowing there but next week we are taking <laughs> it up with creative we are taking it up with creative who should have ended the undertaker's streak uh it's a hot debated topic and you know because because we're not just fans that complain we are also fans that put our money where our mouth is and uh get creative ourselves and you know potentially give you something great and also potentially give you something worse uh so <laughs> you know, All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, Join us next week for The Streak. When should it end? Should it have ended? What would you do? How would you do it? Uh, Yeah, so for Ron Kilborn, I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you, we love you, and good night. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team. Team.